Every month, we offer exciting new webinars for our community. Topics include how to use retirement accounts to buy real estate overseas, how to get a second passport in Latin America, why you should sell your stock portfolio and move your money offshore, how to buy beachfront rental properties in Brazil for less than $100,000, or apartments in Paraguay for less than $60,000. If you want to join us for free for these presentations with live Q&A, insider secrets, and exclusive opportunities with my professional network of experts, then go to expatmoney.com forward slash webinars. That's expatmoney.com forward slash webinars to register for free upcoming presentations. expatmoney.com forward slash webinars. We all dream of seeing the world, but the realities of living somewhere outside your place of birth can be daunting to say the least. Welcome to the Expat Money Show, helping you make the most out of your overseas career through conversations with successful expats on investing, entrepreneurship, self-improvement, and continual education, all while sharpening your financial acumen. Now, please welcome your host with over 20 years of overseas experience, Mikkel Thorup. Holy crap, it's here. This has taken me seven months of my life to complete, and I am super pleased how it turned out. What is Miguel talking about? It's my new book, Expat Secrets. You're going to be able to find it on Amazon right now. Let me just give you the full name of the book because I think it says a lot, okay? Expat Secrets, How to Make Giant Piles of Money, Live Overseas, and Pay Zero Taxes. Boom. I really like that. Basically, the book breaks down everything you need to know for leading an international life. This is timely information and modern, and it's a fun read. You can buy your copy right now by going to Amazon and searching Expat Secrets. This will really help support the show to grow. And if you want to be an awesome human being, what I want you to do is leave the book an honest review on Amazon. It actually makes a huge difference to new authors like me. Seriously, I mean this. Please get a copy of the book and please leave the book a review. It's just good karma. Okay, enjoy today's episode. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Mikkel Thorpe. This is the Expat Money Show, and today's guest is the host of the popular podcast, Borderless. He is based out of Mexico and runs a vacation rental business as a location-independent expat. He has traveled around the world working with entrepreneurs to make their business and lives more international by helping to remove not just the physical borders, but also the psychological borders that people put up for themselves. In this conversation, we are going to dig deep into the vacation rental market and the incredible opportunities it provides. Please welcome to the show, James Guzman. James, where did you say you're based in Mexico? Currently, I'm in San Miguel de Allende, Mexico. It's in central Mexico, and I've spent... I would say the majority of my time here for the last seven years or so. So why did this location like really speak to you? Why decide after all the places that you've been that this was the one that you decided you wanted to build a life in? Well, I was in Acapulco for a while. And, you know, Acapulco is pretty crazy place, has a lot of security issues right now. And I mean, when I was in, you know, my mid 20s and and stuff, I, I spent a little time there. It was fun. But then I just kind of realized, I said, look, I need to do something, uh, go, go somewhere a little bit that I could better to establish myself. And, and it was just uh, too much. And so I had a, uh, a mentor that lived here in San Miguel de Allende. Uh, and he said, hey, come on down here, check this place out, and you can stay with me and we can talk about it. And so I came down and I stayed in his guest house and checked out the city and I loved it. And so I pretty much just... Uh, you know, moved uh, a lot of my stuff here and I've been here since then. It's, it's so San Miguel de Allende is a more of a colonial town. 
doesn't have a whole lot of people that live here. There's a, about 10% expat, five to 10% expat population, but it's just, it's, you know, it's got great food. It's very, you know, good cost of living, lots of things to do and a good quality of life, just, you know, clean air, uh, it's very walkable. And it's, it's also close to the U.S. and it's in the uh, central time zone. So a lot of things like that. It's just been very convenient for me. And now I have a lot of friends and, and things like that. Awesome. So you spent the majority of the time there. And that's kind of where you built up your new portfolio of the rental properties? Correct. Yeah. So how do you rent those out? What do you find? Because I, I don't know too much about rental properties, but I'm really excited to learn from you. So is this like Airbnb? Is this another site you use? Or do you promote through your own website? Or how does that look? Yeah. So yeah, I think that especially people that are interested in expat money or, or you know, online income, all this type of stuff, and these new markets that are coming up, looking at the vacation rental market, there's a big opportunity here and something that people, even if they're not, they don't want to jump into it. It's something interesting to look at because it's changing a lot with a lot of the platforms that we have. You mentioned Airbnb. That's definitely the biggest. Everybody's heard of that one. You know, you have VRBO, your HomeAway, TripAdvisor, all these types of things. And there's also a lot of what they call channel managers, which allow people to put up their own website, whether it's a boutique hotel or a vacation company or whatever, and people can book directly through their website. And then you can run your own marketing campaigns and et cetera. So there's lots of interesting uh, things going on. This is a disruptive industry right now. And, you know, it also goes into the sharing economy stuff. So, you know, it could be a house that, you know, perhaps you have two or three locations that you like to spend a lot of time in, you know, maybe you want to, I, I know somebody that has one house in Bali, one house here, they do half and half, half the year he rents it out and has a manager that, does, that he does short-term rentals in Bali. And then when he's not here, he rents it out here. So there's lots of opportunities as far as that goes. Uh, I'm, I'm, but still uh, definitely the number one platform for, for just going out there and getting started is Airbnb. Well, I do love this idea, and I have been thinking about it for so long because I own a house in China, and then I've got my house here in Abu Dhabi, and we spend time between the two. But when we leave here probably in the next year or so, we're thinking about Thailand. We're thinking about Mexico. There's lots of really interesting places to have a home. So with these vacation rentals, do people usually stay for months at a time, or is this more of the shorter, you know, they come down for one week, two weeks, and then they're gone? So I am not really into the long-term thing because the thing is, is that because of, you know, if you're doing a short-term rental, you're doing it because there's a, you know, a good arbitrage or, you know, there's, a, there's more money that you're going to make with short-term than long-term. So your prices are higher for, you know, the, the short-term rentals. Now, being in a place like San Miguel de Allende has a lot of tourism here. And so finding short-term rentals here is not a problem. So I don't have a problem with uh, low occupancy. And so really there's no reason for me to give like a, uh, a long to say like a month to month, but on a, a, on a lower basis. And I don't think anybody's going to want to pay a vacation rental price for months at a time. So yeah, no, they're mostly short, uh, you know, uh, weekends or weeks. And just like that, uh, you know, uh, there, they have technology now where, you know, usually with hotels, you have a, at least one person who's full-time that just looks at the prices of the market. They look at whether it's holiday or whether it's maybe it's, it's close coming up and it hasn't been filled and they adjust the prices according to that. Well, now they have technology that uses algorithms to do all that automatically. So it will, especially the longer that you let it run on your specific vacation rental, it will test out the market. It'll see what other places are getting booked at and it will optimize your listing to get booked with the uh, correct price. So then you can find out, you know, how to price your place correctly. And 
And I just find that the, when you're in a vacation market, just put it on there and letting people book, you know, a couple of days or a week or whatever. Um, that's, that's the best way to do it. And that's the way to get the uh, most profit out of your property. Well, it's interesting because I study so much about marketing and I was run, I was really wondering, like, is it that field of dreams, you know, build it and they will come, or do you really have to market these things hard? You know, uh, honestly, because of the growing interest on these types of platforms, a lot of people are just, you know, like for me, I've been, I've been using Airbnb for a long time and like myself when I travel, but a lot of people don't know about these platforms. And um, they're just now getting into it. And so this is a, a kind of growing market. So there is a lot of demand. I have, I have found that almost everywhere that uh, I've, you know, put vacation rentals on the market, uh, it has been, it, you know, it, it might take a little while to build up some reviews and, and all that kind of stuff. But if you have a good profile and some good pictures, especially, then, I, you know, it, I mean, of course, depending on the market, uh, if it's in a popular city, they're really, it's, it's, I have not had any problem as far as occupancy goes. So what, what do you think is a good occupancy rate? Like if you were to put that into, I guess, maybe a percentage wise of nights that are booked, what is like maybe an industry standard and what should be someone, what would someone be wanting to hit? What would be their target? Well, I mean, obviously you want to have it as high as possible. Um, I mean, if it's a hundred percent booked all the time, then it's, you know, you're, you're pricing it too low, but you know, you want it to be kind of at that mark where you're getting, like, I, I would say definitely 90%. You know, obviously, uh, in different markets, there are b big, slow times, high markets. And so you got to keep that in mind. It's really dependent on the area that you're in. Um, but, uh, you know, you know, like I said, you definitely want to, you know, if, if you're getting 30, 40% occupancy, then uh, for an extended period of time, then that's a problem. The majority of the places, do you purchase them outright and then run a mortgage on them? Or do you rent them from someone else and then sublease them on the vacation market? How does that work? Well, I mean, you know, obviously you can do either. Right now, I mean, I have done both. But right now, I, I'm really liking the, the sublease, you know, leasing something for several years at a time, fixing it up a little bit, and then short-term renting. And the owners of the properties, are you do they have any problem with this? Do they know what's going on? Is it legal to to run a business like this? Yeah, so absolutely transparent with that. You know, I, I come to them and tell them what what I do. I show them the website and the other references that I have, and I, you know, I tell them that look, this is actually less risky than having a long term rental because I get it professionally cleaned. We have insurance, and uh, you'll obviously be getting paid on time. You know, et cetera. And if they want to charge a little bit more, I guess that can be negotiated. But yeah, that it's actually less risky. And yeah, it's completely legal. You just have to take out the sublease clause. So if someone wanted to build up a business like this and they wanted to to start making their own portfolio of rental properties, what type of time would they need to commit to a business like this? So if they, if they want to actually do a business, there are a lot of people that are building these types of businesses. And you know what I've found is that once you have this type of business, it's, it's very conducive to the expat entrepreneur and, and uh, people that like to work online. And, and there's several different options that you can do. So you can start by doing the, the rental arbitrage that I just spoke about. Uh, you can also purchase properties, obviously, and short-term rent them out. And you can also manage other people's properties. So that, that's you know three ways that, or, or you can buy other existing vacation rental businesses. So those are four different ways that you can grow. And, um, you know, what I would say is, is, is the reason I asked if you're asking just about your house or building a business is if you're going to be building a business, then you're going to have to build, you're going to have to get a team. And so that's going to be very important, making sure that you have the right team, especially your cleaners, 
and your maintenance people. And uh, you're gonna have to look at what type of personal management system you wanna use. There's lots of PMS systems, channel managers that can really take a lot of the work out of it. I already mentioned the, the it's called the uh, dynamic pricing model where that's the, the services that change the prices. So you have that that's you know automatically taken care of through your technology. You can also do PMS where that answers people's questions and things like that, that does your books, that communicates with your cleaners and maintenance people and uh, you know the owners of the property if you're managing other people's properties. So you can take a lot of the people that you know formerly had to be full-time employees, that, that can all be done at a fraction of the cost through technology now. And so as long as you have, you know, I would say that you know the most important thing is to get started is definitely your cleaning, your maintenance person. Once you get a little bit bigger, you're definitely gonna have somebody that handles the admin stuff, uh, you know, marketing if you want to do some uh, social media stuff or, or have your own website, uh, then you know, email marketing or Instagram marketing, you know, and having somebody that answers calls because you do have people that you know call from time to time. You know, a lot of people they they don't even if you send an automatic check in, a lot of people just don't don't know how to do it or, or whatever. So they call, you can, you can have, you know, hire somebody to do that. If, if you're overseas, like I'm in Mexico, that's, you know, that, that's very inexpensive, but there's also options. I know several people that what you can do is they have a lot of services out there that you write them a script of different things, different options of what people ask about, and they will automatically answer any calls, chats, or emails, things like that for you. So it'll never get to you. It always goes to a call center. Yeah, I think the call center, I think that would be really helpful because I can't imagine trying to get calls in the middle of the night and trying to always have my mobile phone on or something so that I, I don't miss a uh, contact from these people. Sounds like my nightmare. <laughs> yeah. See, I, so right now I, for the places here in San Diego, I have people that answer that for me. You know, the, like I said, hiring people in Mexico is, is inexpensive and pretty easy. But, you know, if you're in a place where that would be more expensive, you know, like in the U.S., I would think that it, it definitely would make more sense to hire that out because it's going to be expensive to have somebody that answers the calls. And my next question, and feel free to answer this in a hypothetical manner, or you can know you can use your own business as an example as you like. But what type of returns would someone be expecting from uh, a business like this? You know, at you know one property versus five properties versus ten properties. Like, how would that all look? Well, it it's. That's hard to say because, like I said, there's different models. So, you know, if you're buying properties, that's going to depend, you know, if you're buying cash, if you're buying mortgage, you know, how you're buying these properties, about what type of, you know, what's going to be the percentage of return you're going to get. You know, normally, so with a, a you know, a real estate investment, you're looking at rent, right? So the rent that you're going to get is going to be the return that you get. And so normally it's it looked at, you know, long-term rents. Now, what I've found is that doing short-term rentals, you can normally expect to get double or, or even, maybe even triple of what you'd get for long-term rent. So, so I would just say whatever is the rental return that you're getting, you're going to get double or triple that by doing it short-term instead. So basically the more headache and the more work that you're going to do, you're going to be able to get a higher return. If you're just renting it out on the long-term, maybe you have less to do, but also the money is going to be quite a bit less. Right. And, you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I mean, I, I guess it's different for people. You know, I do coaching calls and this type of stuff. So I hear about people's problems in, in different markets and stuff like that. But really for me, it's not a lot of headache at all. You know, you get a headache with, with long-term rentals a lot too. You know, you get, you get people that stiff you, you get people that leave or, or screw up the house or, you know, all this type of stuff. So, uh, you know, with, with, as long as you have your bases covered, you know, you have people that, you know, you take a deposit from people, you are, you know, you make sure that 
all the rules and stuff are, are, are followed, then, uh, you know, if things do have to get placed or fixed, well, it's just, you know, it's just the cost of business and uh, you fix it and move on. It's not, it's not a huge headache. So uh, I have not found if, you know, if you set it out, uh, set it up correctly, you know, it's, it's really not a lot of, of headache at all. And uh, you can run it from, you definitely don't even have to be in the area at all. I mean, I, I was in Medellin for uh, about uh, four months uh, and I just got back uh, three weeks ago and, you know, I was running the whole uh, business here from there and uh, never really had a problem. Uh, I did have one of my um, staff that had a, had a big medical problem, uh, but that was, you know, we, we fixed it and, and uh, moved on and, and that was it. So it's, it's not as much of a headache if you get it set up correctly as, as one might think. That makes perfect sense. So, for Mexico, are you a resident there? Are you a citizen there? Or are you just living as a tourist? How does that work? Yeah, I actually live as a tourist here. They have a six-month uh, tourist visa. And that's, you know, a, a lot of people do that. I have not found any reason for me to, to get a, a residency or, or try for, you know, permanent residency or anything like that here. There's really not any advantages I get from that. You know, you can buy property here on a tourist visa. You can do pretty much anything. Uh, you can't vote. So, uh, you know, they've just started. I will say that I noticed that the last time I came in, they just started asking for a return ticket uh, when you come into Mexico. That is something that's new. I've never had that before. Uh, but yeah, as a U.S. citizen, you get uh, just six months and and um, you, all you have to do is leave and come back sometime and, and that uh, six months renews. Well, I think it's pretty awesome when you're able to do this perpetual traveler type of lifestyle where you really don't need to be a resident to actually do business in that country. And a lot of times, you know, as long as you're honest and open, and like you said, it's completely legal to purchase properties in Mexico and that you can do most anything there without having to be a citizen, without having to be a permanent resident there. Actually, there are a lot of options out there for people. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, PT theory, uh, if a lot of people, I don't know if people know about that, that was something that was popular. Uh, when, when I started my podcast, it was kind of around the PT theory as perpetual traveler, previous taxpayer, uh, permanent tourist flag theory. And basically, uh, you know, just having different places that you can choose strategically to, you know, be a, a resident, be a citizen, be a tourist, have your bank account, have your investments, uh, et cetera. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I spend uh, time in Mexico. It's you know, especially in San Miguel de Allende. Like I said, it's got a good quality of life and uh, inexpensive but I find that it, uh, you know, is no longer suitable for me. I can go somewhere else uh, pretty quickly. So. And so talk to me a little bit about your time in Medellin, because Colombia is just one of my favorite countries in the whole wide world. Yeah, great. Yeah, no, actually, I enjoyed Medellin a lot. I was there working with an expat tax firm. And yeah, I was right there, Poblado, in the, oh, the Calle de Oro, I believe. And uh, yeah, so I, I met a lot of great people. There's really a great community of, you know, all the type of uh, stuff that we're talking about, all the people that are working on, you know, the digital nomads, you could call them, or expats, et cetera, that are down there. I met, I met some amazing uh, contacts there, and it's beautiful, great weather, and a lot to do. I, I like the idea that you can go hiking, and, you know, it's very lush, and uh, so that's cool. And, and to be honest, you know, uh, I've been into a lot of places in Latin America, spent a lot of time in Latin America, and after talking to the people there and looking at it, I mean, I'm no expert on the uh, Colombian uh, political situation, 
but I will say that my feeling on the ground and from talking to people and, and seeing some of the things go on, you know, I, I'm positive on the country, you know, Medellin in, in, in specific, uh, I, I think is a good place. And I think they're moving in the right direction and they're very open to, you know, the, the extranjeros uh, coming, you know, just the foreigners coming in there and starting businesses. There's no animosity toward that, that I, that I could feel. And uh, yeah, a lot of people there doing big things and, and a lot of interesting stuff. So yeah, I would recommend it uh, definitely as, uh, you know, as, as a place if, if somebody's thinking about, uh, you know, going international or at least uh, visiting. Well, it's been a long time since I've been there. I think it was maybe, God, it's been about 15 years since I've been in Colombia. But one of the things that really struck me when I was there was how much people really wanted to show off their country. You know, it was like this this stunning, beautiful place with so much natural beauty and history and culture and language and food and all this really interesting stuff. But there was no one coming to see any of it, you know, and it had such a bad reputation because of, you know, some of the past and a lot of the movies and TV and things like this, the media. And when you actually go there and you give them a chance, like they're just so overjoyed to to really showcase how great their country is. So I, I still remember that. It really stands at the forefront of my mind. Yeah, and that's, I would uh, definitely concur with that. You know, like you said, they, they've had a bad rap for a while. And, you know, they've, they've really spent a lot of energy trying to remake their image. Uh, they don't like the image that comes out through all the movies and all the rest of it. And they are really trying hard to, to change that. And a lot of the plazas and stuff that were formerly used for drug activity or, or whatever that were, you know, had a lot of crime there. They've completely redone it and, you know, put libraries there, put, you know, these big, beautiful type of, you know, lights and trees. They're, they're, they're doing a lot to try to change. I mean, you know, uh, obviously they, they still have a ways to go, but, you know, it, it's, like I said, it's going in the right direction and uh, there's a lot going on there. And so it, it's been really booming. And I, I found the, the people to be very nice and, and especially as a, uh, a single guy, if you go down there, the uh, women are very friendly as well. <laughs> <laughs> so do you think that Colombia might be a place that you'll be putting up a second base? Or are you really going to double down on Mexico and just focus there? Yeah, I don't I don't know about that. Right now, I'm, I'm not, you know, currently, I'm not in any rush to, I, I mean, I guess you could say I'm kind of, I'm pretty permanent <laughs> here in San Miguel. I have been for a while, but but really, not, I mean, I, I'm very slim. You know, when I was in this, as far as like minimalistic and what I have, uh, I've really slimmed down. You know, when I was in the States, I had, you know, several houses. I had a car. I had a 100-gallon saltwater fish tank. I had a big grill. I had, a, you know, the TV. And, you know, you had all this stuff, all this furniture, big, you know, bed and, all you know, all kinds of things. And when I left the States and I went to Spain, you know, uh, I just really slimmed down a lot. And I've, I've really tried to continue with that. And so, you know, I, I, at the moment, um, I, I mean, I, I can go, I can go anywhere. And uh, it's, I mean, I'm, I'm a single guy, I don't have any kids or anything. So it's not, I mean, you know, perhaps I'd definitely be open to, I, I like to Columbia back, I'm sure that I'll go, I'll be back. And, you know, I have lots of friends there. And I was amazing, the amount of people that I met, just really good contacts and, and people that I just became very good friends with. And so I, I definitely imagine that sooner rather than later, I'll be I'll be back there. But I'm not sure about having a permanent base there. I just I don't know. Well, I do love the the expat communities. When you walk into some of these communities, like 
you meet the entrepreneurs, you meet the people who are like living their lives in these different countries. And I find that the affinity and the relationships that you're able to develop with them so quickly is just unbelievable. Like where I live here in Abu Dhabi, like I'd say about 90% of the population are all expats and we're all, you know, not necessarily entrepreneurs, but definitely expats. And when I make friends with someone, it's it's so fast, you know, because we have so much in common right off the bat, even though we might come from completely different cultures or countries or communities, you know, but you have this shared experience of leaving your home and, and living abroad. And I imagine that's got to be quite similar in places like Medellin and San Miguel and all these others. Yeah, I mean, it absolutely, you know, and I think it, it's a very interesting phenomenon, you know, that we're talking about as far as, you know, the, that's why, you know, I called my the podcast Borderless or the blog Borderless is because, you know, now with th this community, you know, it, it's very similar people. You see a lot of people, whether it's in Chiang Mai, back to Medellin, Medellin, back to Chiang Mai, and, you know, they, a lot of the same people, they know each other. And it's, it's interesting because, you know, we, we use a lot of the same language and we're, we're definitely not all from the same place, but it is kind of a subculture that you know has a lot of freedom and has taken advantage of a lot of the new technologies and and things like that as far as how we work, how we invest, and uh, where we live, and and all that. And you know this group that we're talking about. I mean, they have a lot of influence on the world, and this is going to be growing. And governments are you know taking these types into consideration as to you know what they put policies into place. You know they want to attract the the smart entrepreneurial agile people that are going to be starting businesses and and helping them with with, with all this type of stuff so yeah i mean i, I think it's it's a very interesting thing to watch and uh, i try to get involved as much as possible well that's why i do love the name of your podcast because borderless is really where we should all be heading as a species as 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 humans you know there really isn't a reason that we're putting up walls now between countries like it, it just doesn't make sense to me at all well, I, I, I have a lot of, you know, uh, uh, people that uh, I will say that the, the word borderless, when, when I made it, I was talking about psychological borders. And, I, you know, this was a while. Now we have this, you know, immigration thing going on now. And the word uh, borders and borderless has become a, a contentious issue. When I made the name borderless, uh, I just want to make, make it, you know, people know that it, it was not. I wasn't making like a protest against national borders. <laughs> I was talking about individually that you have to get past your psychological borders. You can go live in other you know places. You can you know break down the the things that are taking you back from your potential. So yeah. Just gonna take a quick break. Okay, new book is here. It's called Expat Secrets, How to Make Giant Piles of Money, Live Overseas, and Pay Zero Taxes. This book took me seven months to write and publish, and it's a culmination of some of the best stuff I've learned over my 20 years living as an expat. I cut out all the crap and tried to give you the real meat with this book. If you ever wanted to live overseas, or if you are already living overseas and you want to take things to the next level, to legally reduce your tax bill, to live a more international life, and get the best of everything planet Earth has to offer, then you must go to Amazon right now and purchase your copy of Expat Secrets. Pause the episode and go take a look. It's cool. I'll wait. Seriously, you guys are going to love this. Enjoy the book. So talk to me a little bit about 
your podcast. Tell my listeners what your podcast is about, what kind of things you guys discuss on there. Because I've listened to, I think you're at, what, 100 episodes, 102 episodes, something like that. Yeah, I've listened to the majority of them. I'm a big fan of your work. So for my listeners who have not had a chance to listen to it, talk to them a little bit about what you guys do. You know, it's specifically about helping investors and entrepreneurs navigate through the information age. And so, you know, basically I'm bringing on people that are talking about how to make money, you know, location independent income. This is something that's really a stumbling block for a lot of people. They want to get freedom in their life. They want, you know, whether it's they they need more time, they want to live somewhere else, they want to cut down their cost of living, they want to pay less taxes, all kinds of different things. But they, you know, for some reason they don't have the freedom in their life to to do what they want to do. And obviously one of the big stumbling blocks for a lot of people is making money. How am I going to make money if I'm not, you know, here, wherever I, I was, I grew up and all this. And I see, I never really had that, you know, one place where I, I grew up and it was hard for me to leave, but I understand that that is hard for a lot of people. So I talk a lot about, you know, different ways. I talk to people that have successfully made money, you know, location dependent uh, or, you know, online and, and how to build skills and how people are making money today. I talk about that. I talk about new ways of investing, you know, whether it's online or in different frontier markets, international markets. I talk about uh, living in different areas, like some of the areas that we've talked about. I, I go and uh, speak to people that have been there for a while, and you know, uh, we, we see what it's what it's like there. What can people expect? Cost of living, uh, how immigration works, uh, et cetera, and how they've been able to make it work. Uh, also, I try to cover issues that, you know, affect uh, us. And so, you know, like, for instance, I, I interviewed a lawyer a few episodes back on the GDPR before the GDPR was signed, um, you know, what, what it means, what we need to do, um, et cetera, and that, and, and that kind of stuff. And, and so, yeah, I, I just try to stay on, on the cutting edge of, 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 of what's going on in, in business and investing and, and all these types of issues that affect us and and also i uh, talk about i talk about tax issues i mean that's a big thing is uh, one of the big advantages of being you know location independent or be able to live where you want and having online business or or whatever that you're doing a lot of the advantages is paying uh, less taxes and that's another thing that we we want to do to bring more freedom to your life so you know how we talk about international tax strategy and how different uh, policies are affecting uh, people like us and uh, yeah, and so that's that's what I, I try to stay on top of. Well, it was interesting because when I was doing my research for our interview together and I actually started looking through your guest list and I started listening to your episodes, I actually realized, and James and I were talking about this before the interview started, that actually we already know a lot of the same people and we've actually had a lot of the same guests. I just interviewed Ian Bond and Ian Bond, I believe, has been on your show as well. And Zach Slayback, who just got aired last month, you've also had him on your show. So it's interesting as we're talking about the community and expats and people who are living this international life and how many people we actually have in common. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, they're just people that, you know, I, I, I meet them and or, you know, I just say, you know, this is this is perfect. You know, this is what we're talking about, you know, and so I have to, to get them on. It just obviously makes sense. Uh, you know, another thing that I talk about is, um, what's called world schooling. I've had several people on about world schooling, and that is, you know, people that are doing a permanent uh, tourist type of lifestyle with their their kids, you know, and, and they have different ways that they teach them and all that kind of stuff. They're having a big world schooling event here 
in San Miguel uh, pretty soon. And so I had somebody on about that and I've had people on to talk about that. So yeah, I mean, whether it's, you know, crowdfunding or, you know, all, all different types of things. Well, the world schooling is really interesting because I've had a lot of guests on as well. And it is one of the main things that I talk about with my guests because my daughter, she's about two years old right now. So it is, you know, I'm not one of those people who thinks like, okay, I will live abroad and travel until I have kids and then I'll go home to raise my kids. Like, no way. Like, that's that makes no sense to me at all. I'm having a lot of fun. I've been overseas for 20 years now. This is my life. Like, this is who I am. Like, there is no back home for me. <laughs> so it's really interesting because when you start looking at education and, and when I started talking about these things so long ago, people looked at me like I was crazy. But now you, you mention world schooling to them or homeschooling or non-schooling and people are just like nod their head and they're like, yeah, yeah, that's a lot better, you know? So in this type of international space, James, are there other things like people are now starting to come around and see things more your way, my way, this more international way of doing things? Well, I, I mean, I think that that's definitely the direction that things are going, whether you know, people like it a lot, uh, like it or not, through the different technologies that we have, through the ease of travel, you know, these things are becoming available to people. And just from a economic standpoint, you know, I, I've helped a lot of people just drastically improve their standard of life. You know, if you can, like I said, get a, a similar or even a little bit less amount that you're getting for your full-time career uh, by doing something that you can work at uh, that, at the times that you like and, and location independent, and then you can go to a place which has a drastically lower cost of living, and then you can cut down on taxes. I mean, it just makes rational sense uh, that people are going to be doing that. And if they can just easily go to a place where they are, you know, treated better and where they enjoy their life better, then, you know, I, I think that this is just, this is what people are, are going to be doing. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I just, um, I, I think that we're going through a, you know, a time period where there's going to be, a, you know, especially, you know, coming up and, and we're seeing it now, just, you know, I've, I've predicted this for a while. I mean, I, I think that this is, we're going to be going through a time that's going to have a lot of ups and downs and all this type of stuff. And, you know, it might not be, be pretty. So, you know, our generation, and we, I don't know if we're ever going to have kind of a smooth couple decades as our parents and grandparents had. So it's be better for, you know, you on an individual level to just try to figure out these types of strategies in order to make me, you know, make yourself more versatile and, you know, mobile in order to go and, and uh, find these opportunities and, and avoid any type of pitfalls. I know that you've been in this space for quite a while. So I am curious, you know, if you've seen more people moving towards this or say over the last seven or eight, nine, ten years, has it been pretty much the same type of people who have come to you or even the same amount of people, I would guess? Yeah, no, I mean, I think there's been, there's always an, an uptick and, and you know, uh, sure, it's been an, up, an increasing trend. Uh, for sure, you could say that. And I would say that another kind of expat that you see a lot nowadays is the retirees, you know, the the, uh, the boomers from the States and Canada, they they need to, you know, they, they don't have as much money saved as they thought they would, and uh, they don't have the return. Uh, I think that uh, probably the podcast with uh, Ian Bond uh, talked a lot about that. And um, so, you know, they, they are looking for places that are less expensive. And so we're definitely seeing an increase in that and where 
medical costs are less expensive and where, you know, they might be living in a, in a, in a trailer in the States and uh, somewhere else they can live a great life. And so again, you know, it just makes rational economic sense that there's going to be an increase in that. And I, I've definitely seen that as well. Well, that really brings us full circle to our point earlier about the vacation rentals. So I guess my question would be, do the majority of the people who stay with you at your properties, are they kind of our generation, 30s, early 40s, or is it more of the retirees who are coming to stay? No, I run out to almost exclusively locals, to other Mexicans that are here visiting. I get some people outside, but uh, yeah, I know it's mostly uh, people from other parts of Mexico that are here to visit on vacation. But so what's the age demographic for something like that? Well, I mean, obviously you get, you know, people that are in town, you know, groups, you know, young people that are in town. Sometimes you get families, just like you would think, you know, people that go to you know, a vacation, a vacation place for, for a weekend or for a week. So you get, you get all kinds of couples or, or, you know, girls weekends, you know, with five girls or something and, and that kind of stuff. Okay, interesting. Yeah, because the vacation rental, it is all new to me. So some of my questions are quite green, I have to admit. Usually when I'm traveling, I'm staying just at hotels. So also this type of new economy and booking your places online and Airbnb, it's something that I'm still learning about myself and something that, you know, I've been traveling for 20 years, but I've done like almost exclusively youth hostels when I was young, which moved into hotels. And now, you know, I'm quite partial to my five-star hotels. Well, I was, I will say something as far as marketing to that crowd, the expat or digital nomad crowd. No, I don't do that. I mean, if you really look at it, a lot of those people are really looking for a bargain. That's why they're doing that. You know, they, they are overseas. Most of the that crowd, they're going to try to negotiate and talk about it rather than people that are just there for vacation. They're just there to blow money. So I'd rather be in the second market. Absolutely. People with disposable income, they make great clients. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, you don't want to be nickel and diming people at every chance, or or I should say, you don't want people to be nickel and diming you at every chance. Right, right. So going back to our conversation about the vacation rentals, I'm just really curious because for me, the main one that I know is Airbnb. Like if you're putting your property up on Airbnb, isn't that a little bit risky? Because like you always hear in business, the most dangerous number is the number one. Like you shouldn't have one of anything. So like how do you avoid any pitfalls with that? Airbnb is definitely the biggest now, as I mentioned before. And it's just a smooth company. I mean, the, the app works well, and they've had a lot of growth in the market. So, I mean, it definitely makes sense to have a good presence on there. But you're right. I mean, you don't want to be beholden to them because, you know, for some reason, they could uh, shut you down. They could shut them down in the city that you're in, which has happened. Maybe the, the business itself isn't so great in, in a couple of years or, you know, who knows what can happen in the future. So there's all kinds of different platforms that you should be on. As I said, what you want to use is, is called a channel manager. And probably what seems to me that's becoming the industry standard for channel managers right now is called uh, Rentals United. And so what that does is it gives you a platform where people can book your vacation rental directly through your own platform, and then you don't have to pay the fee to VRBO or wherever. Um, but it also puts your calendar out and it syncs your calendar up to all these different platforms because there's over 50 different vacation rental platforms that you can be on to get rentals. So yeah, it's a good idea to, you know, especially if you're trying to do rather than just your own house, but build a business with it, you want to get 
try to get the email addresses of people, you know, whether you, you are offering a, a free guide to your city or some sort of a bribe, you know, build up an email list, you know, just like every, any other business, you know, I definitely recommend people, you know, to, to get a, an email list because that's something that you can always have with you. You have a list of people that have said that they're interested in you and they want to hear from you and email is a great way to stay in contact with them. So just put up a, a website. It's very easy to do nowadays and you can get one of these channel managers and then, you know, try to build up a following there and get some, some repeat customers and things like that. And that way, if you do fall away from one of these platforms, then it's not going to be the end of your business. So real like fundamental online business skills, build your list, communicate with them, have a presence, and then really work on developing that return customer. So it's not just a one and done, but hopefully the person comes every year or every six months or whatever it might be for the time frame. Absolutely. And you can offer, you know, there's other things that you can do, whether it's uh, tours, you know, you can have other people in town that, that do tours and, and you can recommend them and, and you get a percentage. You can offer, you know, if you say you have a slow season, you can, if you have an email list, you can send them, you know, discount coupons for certain times and you can do all kinds of things. So, you know, just being creative and, and there's also other ways around just the, the night that you can try to make it like a full vacation business and, and make additional money. So I want to ask you some of the nitty gritty things like, for me, like, how is it you're going to be able to manage your girls to come in and clean, the, well, girls and guys, whoever you decide to hire, but come in and clean the place? Like, do you give them a key? How does all of that work? Like, I, I just, I see so many nightmares, but I would love to hear from your experience how you, you keep this all straight and keep everything in check. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm not going to say that there, there's no challenges there. I think that one thing uh, a lot of people, especially in the online marketing industry, you know, kind of forget is, you know, when you're building a, a, a business, I, I don't want to say a real business as if online businesses aren't real businesses, but when you're building a, a business that has a location, you're dealing with people, I mean, there's going to be challenges and there's really no way to get around that. So trying to avoid any work, but, you know, building a business by trying to avoid work, I, I don't think is a good strategy. So you're asking, how do you get them in? So for, number one, you know, finding good cleaners and, you know, make sure that they understand what you expect of them and, you know, and what their pay will be and um, that, you know, that everything is on the up and up as far as that goes. And as far as them getting in and out of the property, you have different options. So if you are, you know, if, if you are in a place that has a guard, a security guard, you can talk to the security there and have them hand the key off, tell them about the, the cleaner, introduce them, and then they can, that can be part of their job is to go and tell the security guard, these people are going to be coming in, hand them a paper with the guests when they're arriving, how many of them, et cetera, and that they can hand the keys off in that way. And then they can keep track of when they leave and all that. You can pay them extra if you like. And also there's a lot of technology now as far as smart locks. So you can have, you know, normally with a lot of these types of vacation rentals, I still use uh, sometimes the lock boxes, just the old school lock boxes. You, oh, the ones we used to have for real estate agents, like back in the day. There you go. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Wow. You, send them, you send them the <laughs> combination and they get the keys and, and that's it. And that way they can check in, check out whenever they want. Also now they have smart uh, locks where they have an individual number that gets given to them. And then you can see the exact time that they punch that number in. 
uh, and then that changes per guest. Uh, and that can be hooked up to your channel manager so that that's sent out automatically. Maybe uh, say an hour before check-in, they get emailed or text message the number uh, for them to get in. And then if they have any problems with for that, then they can always call. Like I said, I have people that will answer, you know, they put their phone number so that if the person has any problem checking in or anything like that, they, they can call one of the staff. And so, yeah, but, you know, they have uh, through this technology, the, the, these PMSs that I'm talking about, you know, they can get updated on uh, your cleaners or maintenance people can get updated on uh, when to go in, how many guests are coming in and all that kind of stuff. And um, it is uh, also their responsibility to get the supplies and they know what type of supplies the, and how much they will need and what I would expect to be there for the, for the guests, you know, what, what type of shampoos or towels or how many or all this type of stuff. And so, yeah. And, you know, I, I would imagine that in a lot of places it'd be harder because of a lot of different labor laws and things like that. But here in Mexico, it's pretty easy to hire people. And as long as you pay them on time and pay them well, then they're very happy to, you know, help you and, and they do a good job. Well, that's really interesting because, you know, with technology, I'm, I'm imagining with these IoT, the Internet of Things, that's going to break down a lot of these barriers as well. Because like, my mind always goes into the small things, the technical things, like, well, how does someone get in and out of the house? You know, like, how do you get your cleaner in? Because like, I, I wouldn't just want to be giving keys. You end up firing the girl. She's made a copy of the key, and then they can get in, you know, someone, she can sell off the key. Someone can get in at any time or, you know, but with these uh, smart locks and stuff like that, I think that's some really cool stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The smart locks are great. There's a lot of different technology that is available now as well. Like you're talking about the Internet of Things. I mean, you can turn you can turn on and off uh, lights. If you have a pool, you can you know start heating the pool when you're getting a, a guest there. You can have now they have pad, you know, iPad type things that you can put on the wall that will allow guests to do a lot of things and even have the um, a guide there to the city. You can put out a guide on there and, uh, you know, you have, uh, if you want to put cameras in the front, uh, like in the driveway or something, you can see when they're coming, how many people are coming in, uh, and you can do that through your phone. Yeah, all, all different kinds of things like that. I mean, it's it's really the, the way that things are developing now. I think that we're going to have a lot more control uh, over things like that. And it's going to be especially good for running vacation rentals. Well, we all know that Airbnb has created a whole new sector, like a whole new industry, you could say. But I didn't really think too much about all the things that will actually need to go into it, like the technology that we're discussing right now, or those PMS management software, like you're talking about. Those are all secondary products that actually you need in place to make your life a lot easier. But these are all new businesses that someone could get involved in. Yeah, that's interesting you say that because I've been saying for a while that if there is an inventor or some engineer that, you know, is, is looking for an industry to get into, I mean, you could really just go to, you know, the major hotels and just copy a lot of the, the, the things that they're using, uh, whether it's mini bars, you know, like a digital mini bar type things or all kinds of things, and just replicate that on a, on a smaller scale for vacation rental owners because there's really not a lot of those types of products out there now. And so, you know, whether it's one of the, like the um, coffee pod dispensers that people can pay with their credit card, or, you know, maybe, you know, for um, dishwashing detergent or clothing washing detergent, you know, all kinds of things. Like I said, you could just go and pretty much 
copy a lot of things and replicate them on a smaller and less expensive scale. I love it. Super, super interesting. James, thank you for taking the time and explaining all about vacation rentals, about Airbnb and how all of this mm -hmm. works. Super, super interesting conversation. And I definitely learned a lot myself. So I hope my listeners did as well. If they want to reach out to you, James, if they want to learn more about what you do, if they want to listen to your podcast, which I definitely recommend people check out, where can we send them? Sure, yes, yeah, go to borderlessblog.com. And uh, yeah, on there has all the blogs, all the podcasts. And if you'd like to contact me, you can do that through the website. Perfect. Thanks so much for your time, James. We'll talk to you soon, okay? Thank you. Okay, I want to read you the reviews from the back of the book that some massively famous people in the international living space have wrote for me. See if you recognize some of these names, okay? So Gregor Gregerson says, In Expat Secrets, Mikkel elegantly describes the many benefits that accrue to those that choose their country of residence and provides practical and timely tips and examples for doing so. This book is a game changer. Leif Simon says, Having lived and worked overseas for more than a quarter century myself, I've seen expats make every mistake under the sun. Save yourself time and energy and learn from someone who has actually done it. Expat Secrets is the book to get you started in your international journey. Edmund John says, Having incorporated hundreds of companies from my clients over the last seven years, this book is very helpful for those that are starting out. And Michael Cobb says, a huge thanks to Mikkel for clearly written, concise description of the international experience as lived by a true globetrotting pioneer. Especially refreshing is the chapter on the benefits of raising kids overseas. As the father of two third culture kids, I can personally assure you that no education expands the mind more than growing up overseas. And my good friend David McKeegan wrote the foreword to this book. But I will let you read that yourself when you go to Amazon today and you purchase your copy of Expat Secrets. Thanks, guys. This episode may be over, but your journey to greatness continues by visiting our webpage and signing up for our newsletter. For convenient access to new episodes, show notes, and other crucial resources, visit expatmoneyshow.com. We look forward to you joining us on the next episode of the Expat Money Show. Safe travels. I have managed to secure exclusive rights to a block of villas in one of the hottest up-and-coming regions in my current home country, Panama. Join me Saturday, May 4th at 10 a.m. Central, 11 a.m. Eastern Time for our special presentation called Investors Workshop, capitalizing on the globally recognized resort brand coming to Panama. We will discuss how the tourism landscape in this region will change rapidly upon the public announcement of this project and how I have secured the rights for my clients to capitalize on this opportunity before anyone else. Thanks to my connections in the region, I have negotiated pricing that front runs everyone else. Think early, early bird pricing. From gourmet restaurants to vibrant clubs, poolside activities, and even live bands, this resort is going to pump some serious life into the region.
But this isn't what excites me or what should excite you either. The exciting part is that these world-class amenities and top brand will attract tens of thousands of tourists. Tourists who will fork over top dollar to stay at our investment properties. Register free at expatmoney.com forward slash webinars. That's expatmoney.com forward slash webinars to register for this free real estate workshop. See you on May 4th at 10 a.m. Central Time. That's 11 a.m. Eastern time, go to expatmoney.com forward slash webinar.